My exhortation is to me and to you is that as a church, we need to begin to memorize Scripture. Not just verses, but the Bible. We need to be able to know how to navigate the Bible, how to understand the Bible as a whole, so that when we can go up against anybody, anybody, because all they're gonna throw at you, like I said, is gonna be the same. But if you know your word, it doesn't matter who comes at you from what angle, you can just counteract all of that with God's word because you know it. Welcome to the Followers of the Way podcast for May 13th, 2018. Today, Brother Omar brings us part seven of his message called Statement of Faith, Doctrine of God. Brother Omar reminds us that as individuals and as a church, we need to be memorizing and understanding scripture so that we are prepared to rightly divide the word. Brother Omar says that just like a skilled boxer who trains, we as Christians need to be training so that when false doctrine comes, we're able to stand firm and fight against it. So grab your Bible and follow along with us as we explore God's Word here on Followers of the Way. This is going to be a still statement of faith, Mother's Day edition. A little review of what we've been talking about so far. We're talking about the issue of who God is, what we believe about God, what the Bible reveals about God. We've been talking about the Jehovah's Witnesses because they are the modern iteration of an old heresy about who God is. And we Christians believe in something that is called monotheism, meaning we believe there's only one God. There's only one God. Now within that belief that there's only one God, there are two views, two perspectives. One is that God is a Trinitarian God, which is what we believe as Christians. The other view is something called Unitarian. Now, both Trinitarians and Unitarians believe there's only one God. There's only, God is only one being, as opposed to other people who believe there are many gods. The difference is the issue of persons. A Trinitarian believes one God, three persons. A Unitarian believes one God, one person. So, any variation outside of what the Bible reveals is going to be Unitarian. So everybody else, with the exception of believers or Christian believers, believes one God, one person. So if you're a Muslim, you believe in Allah, and Allah is one person. If you are a Jew, you believe in Yahweh, Yahweh, one person. So the Christian faith is unique in revealing God in three persons. So the good thing about that is the arguments that are going to be used are going to be the same because they're all coming from the same perspective. One God, one person. So every religion or every view outside of Christianity is going to be Unitarian. So the emphasis that these people make, Jehovah's Witnesses and others that hold to this view, is that they're going to look at the scriptures and they're going to point out to you the verses that emphasize that God is one. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. So they emphasize those verses that speak of the oneness of God constantly. They do that all the time. Now, you and I have no problem with these verses because we understand that, yes, God is one. There's only one God. But we also understand that that one God exists in three persons. So the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament, is one God, 
But that same God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. So that emphasis in Genesis is plural. It's plural in the Hebrew, it's plural in the English, it's plural in any language. That God, the one God, says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. So therefore, the, the, the Bible, the complete look of the Bible, if you take the Bible as a whole, you're going to be presented with one God and three persons. So the lesson number one is we take the whole Bible into account, not a couple of verses. So the problem that people have is something that is called proof texting. This happens a lot. This happens a lot with false religions. This happens a lot even within Christianity. And that is that people take certain verses that could be used to promote their views and only focus on those verses. Now, you can do that with your Bible, and you can come up with just about anything. Because the Bible is a very long book telling a very long story. So people that focus on these little verses here and there can use them to back up their views and their claims. So what you need to understand that we as a church is that we need to know the Bible as a whole. We need to be able to understand and navigate the whole of Scripture to be able to understand God and defend the doctrines of God. We need to be able to be people that are of the Word, not just of, you know, nowadays you can go to Google and you can type up something and you can come up with all of the verses and stuff to, you know, prove or to read upon any idea. But we still need to be, as Christians, we still have to do the old-fashioned, old-school, hard work of reading and understanding the whole of the Bible. Like people used to before Google. They used to have to look at the whole Bible. Even with prepping sermons, I ask myself, how did the people did this before? Because you literally will have to, what does the commentary say? I gotta go and reach out for my thing. You actually had to read to find the quote and then you had to write it. That's how people did it back in the day. We don't do that anymore. We can go in and go like this, boom, it's there, copy, paste. We're great preachers all of a sudden. So, and I just revealed to you what we do. So anybody can do this. Now, um, you know, we need to understand the Bible as a whole. Now, We've been talking about the Jehovah's Witnesses. We, we're not going to get into the Jehovah's Witnesses as an organization. We just want to look at their doctrine of God. They have many things that they believe that, you know, we don't want to get into. But the one thing, as I'm studying and reading about the Jehovah's Witnesses, I begin to feel convicted about how their organization works. For example, there's about 9 million members the Jehovah's Witnesses, they, they have about 9 million members. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot of people compared to, like, the Southern Baptist Convention has, like, 50 million members. But when you take into account that to be a good standing member of the Jehovah's Witnesses, you have to do three to five hours a week of Bible study and training. Now, imagine if we had that standard in order to be... A, a member of any evangelical denomination, you had to have three to five hours a week of Bible study and training. Our denominations will probably dwindle to about six people. Because weekly, they spend three to five hours. They go to the Kingdom Hall or whatever, 
they sit there and they study their Bible. Is it their Bible? It's not the Bible. It's their corruption. But they study that. They have Q&A sections. They, they ask questions. And they are training on how to deal with the Christian faith. That's what they do. That's all they do. If you go to their website, I was, I was looking at this. This is unbelievable. But if you go to their website, there is a form, an online form, where you can you fill out their form anywhere, anywhere, just about anywhere in the world. You're in, here in Orlando, and you say, I would like a Jehovah's Witness to come to my house, to my job, to a coffee shop, to the library, wherever I want, and teach me their doctrine. You can fill it, and somebody will be sent to your house or whatever place of your convenience to teach you their doctrine. Here, in Mexico, anywhere in the world, except for, you know, maybe Pakistan or whatever. They will do this at no charge to you. If you speak English, they'll send somebody who speaks English. If you speak Spanish, they'll send somebody who speaks Spanish. If you speak sign language, if you're mute, they'll send somebody who does sign language. If you need a copy of the Bible, they will get you a copy of the Bible. Oh, their Bible at no charge. A nice copy, too. Nice, bonded, you know, and everything. They'll do this at no charge to you. Anywhere. So the resources that they have is unbelievable. I mean, looking into this, they have all of their publications are found in any language that you can think of. You can find their publications in Spanish, in English, in Russian, whatever language you can think of. They have translated all of their works, even in this day and age. And I don't want to sound critical, but just to show you how they use the resources, even in this day and age, as a native Spanish speaker, like I didn't even speak English until I was in like high school, I would prefer, because my reading comprehension is way better in Spanish, to find resources in Spanish about the Bible, and you would have no idea how hard that is. I mean, you don't find, for example, Spurgeon's works in Spanish, rarely. You don't find Wesley's works in Spanish. And if you do, it's very old Spanish, Castilian, hard to understand. Yet they continually translate and update their stuff in any language, constantly. So these people who have a false doctrine, false teaching, a false view of God, somehow take their resources and put it to work in an amazing way. So I began to ask myself, what do I do with my resources? Like, what am I doing? I mean, they are out there every week right now spending three to five hours studying their teaching, studying how to counteract whatever you tell them. If you're a Christian, if you ever, if you ever gone up, if you ever go up against the Jehovah's Witnesses, and I know this by experience, you need to know your Bible. <laughs> because they will control the conversation. They are quoting scriptures, these people. And it's happened to me. You know, like I can quote scripture, but then these people are constantly memorizing verses of their Bible and throwing it at you. They, they, got, they got scriptures in their brain. They spit on your name. And if you don't know your word... They're going to control the conversation. So, once again, as a church, the first question is, how are we using our resources? And this is not just us here. This is overall. I mean, if you were to go to any evangelical church in this town and, and say, can you get me a Bible in Russian by Wednesday? 
You think we can pull that off? You give me a Bible. I have a friend of mine. He's Russian. Can, can I get a Bible in Russian for free by Wednesday? They could pull that off. Like that. Wednesday? You want it tomorrow? You want it tonight? They can pull that off. We can't. So, as a church, one of the things that I felt convicted about is how are we using, how am I using, or how can we use our resources better so that we can get God's word to people? But first, I have to get God's word myself. I have to get God's word myself. So, another thing about the Jehovah's Witnesses, their doctrine is heretical. Obviously, we know that. It leads to damnation, yet their outreach is an indictment to us, and we should be better. They do so much for so little. They do so much for nothing. Even in their doctrine, there's only 144,000 people that have a relationship and covenant with Jesus Christ. And if you're a Jehovah's Witness, chances are you're not one of those people. So they do all of that for nothing. Yet the hope that we have, we should be doing more. So here's the exhortation. I'm working my way to my 10-minute sermon. This is all introduction. Here's my exhortation. First of all, this is for me. Maybe it may not be for you. But I've made the mistake when I was younger, I thought I was Rambo, and I thought I could just go up to anybody and, you know, like, prove them wrong about the scriptures. I'm still kind of like that. But um, <laughs> I made the mistake one time of trying to engage with a Jehovah's Witness, right? And uh, realized very quickly I was way out of my league, okay? And realized something that I have let slide in my life is that I have not been able to memorize large portions of the, of the Bible. Now, when I say memorize, I'm not talking about I can memorize a verse here and there. I'm talking about entire portions, quote, books of the Bible from my memory. So I, I have began to try to accomplish this, okay? I'm nowhere near, nowhere near, nowhere near good. But I remember growing up in the old days and the smaller Pentecostal churches, that these men can quote entire sections of the Spanish Bible like it was nothing. It would roll out of their mouths. And I remember these men, uneducated, a lot of these uneducated people. They didn't go to school. They didn't go to sem seminary. It was, it was seminary. We don't know what that is. But they can quote sections of the Bible like that. Sometimes they will preach. You hear in the, in the old days, people could preach and they'll be like, open your Bibles to such and such, and they just stand there. The Bible is closed, and they're just quoting you the verse they're preaching on. The Bible is not even open, because they know the Word of God. So, my exhortation is, to me and to you, is that as a church, we need to begin to memorize Scripture. Not just verses, but the Bible. We need to be able to know how to navigate the Bible how to understand the Bible as a whole so that when we can go up against anybody, anybody, because all they're going to throw at you, like I said, is going to be the same. But if you know your word, it doesn't matter who comes at you from what angle. You can just counteract all of that with God's word because you know it. So here's my sermon. 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is my Mother's Day sermon. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
That was the introduction. 2 Timothy 1.5. The Apostle Paul's writing to Timothy. This is what he says to Timothy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Louis, and your mother, Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying of my hands, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. The Apostle Paul is writing to this young man named Timothy, probably Paul's greatest companion in the faith. But Paul tells him, Timothy, remember the faith that was in your grandmother, Louis, and in your mother, Eunice, and it's also in you. Now, the word faith here, the word faith, is the word pistis, which in the Greek could mean your faith, your personal faith that you have to God. It also means a confidence that you have in a belief or a trust that you place on the content of a belief. So faith could also mean, and I believe in this place means, a system of belief or doctrine, like the Christian faith. Now the reason I say that is because this faith dwelt in Grandma Lewis, then it was passed on to Mama Eunice, and then on to Timothy. Now, what I find interesting is that I don't hear no mention of a father here, or a grandfather here. So I don't know what happened. We know that Timothy's father was a Greek man. He was, he was not a Jew, he was a Gentile. He was mixed. But despite that, Grandma Lewis affected three generations of her family by giving her daughter God's word, which then was passed on to Timothy, and who knows what happened from there. Amen. Now, like I said, the word pistis here means simply not only just your personal faith, but it could mean also your belief system. In order for us to understand what I believe the Apostle Paul is saying, is that Grandma Lewis, if you date this back, you are within the generation that was in the upper room. So some people actually believe that Grandma Lewis may have been one of the 120 that was in that upper room that came down when the Holy Spirit fell down. So you have a woman here who was a Jew, but who was also a Christian, having experienced that and having gone through the teachings of the apostles, now she's depositing that to her daughter and a few generations later to Timothy. Now, what I love about this is in Proverbs 31, one of my favorite chapters on the Bible, verse 10, you know, the, you know it, I don't have to tell you, you know Proverbs 31, this is the virtuous woman or the worthy woman, depending on your translation. Verse 26 says that she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. The virtuous woman, virtuous wife, opens her mouth with wisdom and teaches. The virtuous wife opens her mouth with wisdom and teaches. She can teach. She is a teacher and she does it with kindness and wisdom. 
So the virtuous woman, the good mama, as Grandma Lewis was, is a woman who can teach and teach what? God's word. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, here's uh, the Apostle Paul continues to admonish Timothy. And he says this, verse 15, For us, for you continue in what you have learned, have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writing, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. From childhood you have known the scriptures. You have known God's word. Now the, the word here for know means to possess information about something, to be acquainted with something, to have a comprehension of something. And Paul says to Timothy that from a child you have had a comprehension, a possession of the Word of God, the sacred writings, from a child. How did that happen? Grandma Lewis and Mama Eunice gave this young boy a comprehension and a possession of understanding of the sacred writings of God. Now that is not just Bible reading, they were explaining to him the meaning of what he was reading. These women were better than most seminary people in the way. They were giving this young boy the proper understanding and the full-on understanding of God's Word. So Grandma Lewis and Mama Eunice taught this boy how to be a man of God from a child. Now, Albert Barnes in his commentary says this, The mother of Timothy was a pious Hebrew and regarded it as one of the duties of her religion to train her son in the careful knowledge of the Word of God. She opens her mouth in wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She opens her mouth with wisdom and teaches. That's the virtuous woman. She opens her mouth and she teaches. Now, the problem we have, not only as mothers and grandmothers, but as Christians, is that the Bible is a long, complicated book. And in our day and age, we don't have a culture of sitting down and reading and understanding things. And my wife, who's always reading the Bible, she said that when she started reading the Bible, her frustration is she wouldn't understand. So she would just give up and put it away and then just... Give it up. I can't understand what I read. Why should I keep reading? I told her, well, you know, when you go out, if you're a man and you want to get some muscles, you know, men go through these little, I'm going to work out type of things. Last about three weeks and then they're back to. But anyways, they'll go out to the gym and you try to do 25 push-ups. You're going to do about three <laughs> before you realize that you cannot do 25 push-ups the first time that you set out to do push-ups. You're gonna do about three, you're gonna look at yourself in the mirror, and you're gonna go like this, like you, got, you did three push-ups, now you got muscles, right? So, what happens? You have to build up to it. So the reading of the scripture is the same way. The reading of anything is the same way. You read it, you're not gonna understand it. You're not gonna understand the first time, you're not gonna understand anything. You read it again, and you read it again, and you read it again, and your mind like your muscles are going to build strength. And the more you read it, the more the mind is going to 
now be stronger, so to speak, to understand what you're reading. But that requires, like exercising, it requires work and it requires discipline. And also requires the Spirit of God. The, one of the things my, my wife used to say is that she couldn't understand certain things when she was reading. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 says this. Who has the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So if you're a believer, you have the mind of Christ. Who can understand God? Nobody, but Christ does. And you have the mind of Christ. So as a Christian believer, and as a mom, like Mama Eunice and grand Grandmother Lewis, they had the mind of Christ. So you can understand the mind of God because you have Christ living inside of you. Amen. And wherever one is, remember, God is a trinity. Wherever one is, the other two are there. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So you indwelt with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You have the mind of Christ. This word has now made, been made accessible to you and to your mind by the Holy Spirit, who inspired it, and by the mind of Christ that you have. The Father preserved this word. The Spirit inspired it. The Father preserves it. And you have the mind of Christ to understand it. That's the work of the Trinity that is inside of you. Now, you say, I don't have wisdom. That's simple. James chapter 1, verse 5 says this, But if any of you, if any of you, lacks wisdom, which is all of us, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and he will be given to him. So if you lack wisdom, ask God, he gives to all generously. In other words, you want, I don't know, one gallon of wisdom, God is going to send down seven gallons of wisdom. Just, I want one gallon of wisdom. Here's seven. Here's an overflow. Gives generously. So, moms, the same thing applies to us, but I'm going to apply it to you. You have all available to you to train every one of your children to be godly men and women, just like Timothy. Now, not only your children but their children too. See, Grandma Lewis didn't only affect her daughter, she affected her grandson two generations down the road. So the giving of God's word, the giving of God's word, and not only God's word, but the understanding of God's word, the, the, our statement of faith that we believe, and all those doctrines in it, once they're deposited to your children, it could be carried on for generations. So these women gave the world one of the greatest men in Christian history, which is St. Timothy. And Grandma Lewis affected the lives of two generations and probably more of her family by teaching God's word to her child. So the exhortation is that we as a church and you as a mom need to be memorizing and understanding God's word. Now, here's the problem. We have gotten used to, me and everybody as a church in this country, that we think 
that the way that you get God's word is you just go to church and listen to the man who's in the pulpit. That's not how it works. You, it's like thinking that you're going to get fit by watching a guy lifting weights. It's not going to happen. You have to go out and you have to lift weights. And the way that we get a proper understanding of God's word, the teachers, the preachers, they're guides, but you, any boxer will tell you, you can have the best coach in the world. You have the best, what, what's the name of the guy that does Pacquiao? Um, uh, Ro Roach. Yeah, Freddie Roach. You can have Freddie Roach. But if you're at home eating Cheetos, you're not going out and doing the road work, Freddie Roach will take you nowhere. You will get knocked out on your way to the ring. You just, get, you just fall over and you're knocked out. All right? You have to put in the work. Even if you are talented. Listen, if, if, if Floyd Mayweather, man, that is, I don't care much about. But if Floyd Mayweather didn't train as hard as he did, though he would be more skillful than the guy he was fighting, he would get knocked out. He would lose. Floyd was training hard. I ain't never seen that boy show up even overweight in it. Dude weighed 149 walking around without, without a fight. He still weighs like 149, I think. Still working out. He had to put in the work. And even you may have the truth of God's word more than a Jehovah's Witness, but if you're not putting in the work, you're going to get knocked out. You know what I'm saying? You got to train. You may have God's truth. You may understand God's truth. But if you're not training, you're not going to be able to stand against somebody who may have a false doctrine. But they're putting in the work. Three to five hours a week. A week. It's crazy. That's a part-time. They got a part-time job over there. So we have to, as a church, put in the work. Now, that may involve memorizing scripture. Now, we live in an age, we have Things like programs that can help us with that. I mean, there's an app you can download and it'll teach you how to memorize the Bible. There are resources available to you. You can find us very easily. We can find them very easily. This is the easiest time to be a biblical Christian in many ways. It is. You can find all the resources available to you in your phone. And we, as a church, not only just to be right and be able to prove somebody wrong in an argument. This is what I was thinking about yesterday. If it's good enough for, if it's not good enough for us to get into an argument with the Jehovah's Witnesses, then it's not good enough for my life to not be able to comprehend God's word. This is not good enough for me. Not good enough for my spiritual health. So as a Christian, for my own sake, and the sake of my household and my family, I need to put in the work. Put in the work, like work it into your schedule. Breakfast, lunch, word, you know, however you want to do it. It has to be put in into my schedule because the same way when it comes to working out, you have to work it into your schedule. I have to work this into my schedule. I have to start memorizing, learning, understanding God's words that I'll be able to use it, not only against a Jehovah's Witness, but also in my life, when things happen, I could be able to look at it and be like, boom, Scripture says this and this and this and this and this. Guy throws me a jab. I faint. I throw him a jab. And I do a right hand. All that, you need to practice that. Before you step into the ring, it takes 10 years to perfect a jab. 
And that's how it is. It's for your own sake, for our sake, and our families and our children. And even as Grandma Lewis did, she put in the work. And the results was two generations later, a man of God who was used mightily. So uh, exhortation, my 10-minute sermon was, we need to put in the work as Christians and as mothers too. Don't, don't just think, oh, you know, there's this perception theology and stuff like that. That's for dudes. That's not for dudes. The one for Grandma Lewis. Grandma Lewis said, that's for me. And that's for my daughter and her grandson. So a mom should be able to tell somebody, you're wrong. Here's what the Bible teaches about the Trinity. You know, all those points, a mom, a Christian mom, should be able to say all those things and understand them. So we as a church need to have the atmosphere where that comes about. But like I said, the work needs to be put on by us. We have to do it. If we don't do it, it's not going to happen. So exhortation is we need to be people of God's word and memorize scripture. <coughs> I am attempting to memorize the book of Romans. I'm telling you all what to do. But I am attempting to do that. I figure I need a book that is complete and general with all the doctrines of the Bible. And Romans is it. So I'm going to attempt to do that. I should start with a small book. I know. I'm a, I'm a man. I'm going to go out. I'm going to try to do 60 push-ups. I'm going to try to do that. I'm going to do three. I'm going to get tired. And I'm going to go home. But anyways, I'm going to attempt to do the book of Romans I'm doing it in Spanish, then in English. <laughs> but I encourage you, you know, memorize a chapter, two chapters. Memorize a psalm. You know, memorize a portion, not just a verse, a portion. And then try to understand it. What is this chapter saying here? See what I'm saying? Memorize a chapter or a psalm and then ask yourself, what is this psalm saying? What does this mean? So you can understand it. See, now you've memorized a portion, and now you know the meaning of what that is saying. And once you do that, you can go to another and another and another, and then we become people of the book of God's Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for your Scripture, Lord. We pray that you may give us the hunger for your Word, Lord, that we need to be able to understand it, comprehend it, Lord. I pray that you may remind us that your word, Lord, is unique and is special in our lives, Lord, and that the truth that it contains is the truth that is going to uh, improve our lives and, and, and even our souls, Lord, and we need your word, Lord. I pray that you may help us finding the resources necessary to be able to understand the Lord. I pray that as a church, that we may be able to have an environment and an atmosphere where God's word reigns supreme, Lord, and, and that every mother here, Lord, would be like Mother Eunice or Grandma Lewis, Lord, and teach their children God's Word that they may understand it and comprehend it, Lord. And men of God and women of God may come out of this church and be used for your glory in the future, Lord. I thank you for your Word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Followers of the Way podcast. If you like more information about Followers of the Way Church, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. We trust and hope that you've enjoyed hearing God's word and how to apply it to our lives. 
Our podcast is updated weekly, so remember to follow us here at Followers of the Way.